Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. What's up? You guys doing all right? Oh, so my name is uh, Brandon Hageman, and um, I'm really excited that I just turned 34 years old. Yes, thank you, thank you. But I don't know, I don't know much about being 34 yet, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there like, well, try 44, try 74. I'm like, well, just let me do 34, and let me figure that out. This is the first time I've ever been 34, um, and I didn't. Um, I turned 34, and then started getting moles removed. I don't know if that's like a coming of age or a rite of passage or any of that, but um, so. Two of my favorite things happened in October, and one is my birthday. I actually do not like my birthday. Um, and the second is Halloween. Is it, no? Nobody likes Halloween? Yeah. Are you guys like dress-up Halloween people? Yeah. Raise your hand if you dressed up, like you went all out. Raise your hand if you're like, boo. So I'm more like, boo Christmas. By the way, happy holidays, everyone. And Christmas is here. Oh, man, not okay. Um, it's been Christmas since, like, July 31st, I feel like. Um, so for Halloween, uh, if anybody follows anybody on social media, you saw uh, that me and my wife dress up every year. Uh, I say that every year since we've had our son. Uh, this, so this is the third year. It's been kind of easy to describe to people, like, so what are you going to be? And we tell them, and they understand this last year was difficult, and we got a lot of weird looks. So the first year we did it, we actually dressed up as the Munsters. Anybody know the Munsters? Yes. Yes. So then the second year we dressed up, we dressed up as characters from Harry Potter. Everybody knows Harry Potter. So this year, everyone's like, what are you guys going to be? And I said, well, Do- uh, Lyle is going to be Donald Duck, Lyle being my son. And my wife and I, and I had to space it out, are going to be Chip and Dale. Because everybody thought I was saying Chip and Dale. And- <laughs> Right. And I was like, does nobody know who Chip and Dale is? They're like, Chip and Dale? I'm like, oh my gosh, Chip and Dale. So my wife and I went as Chip and Dale. Does that make sense? You guys got it? Just, I, didn't, I should have brought a picture because I was just really afraid someone was going to be like, so one of the pastors at the church, I don't like Chip and Dale? I don't know. He's really into Halloween and they're really weird. Um, <laughs> So I don't know if you know, uh, Donald Duck's arch nemesis or uh, the ones that torment him the most are Chip and Dale. So we went as Chip and, Chip and Dale and Donald Duck. So um, anyway, uh, so we've been in this series called In the Hot Seat. And I don't know if you guys have been around long enough. About a year, maybe a little over a year ago, we did another series kind of similar where we kind of, kind of attack hot topics, things that are happening in culture, things that are happening in the church. Uh, we did one called Asking for a Friend, and we touched on big topics. This one, we're kind of trying to do the same thing in a roundabout way, and I'm going to use a lot of scripture today. Um, on the first week that we did this, Brian talked about social media. Is it, was anybody here for that? Talked about social media and the effects that it has on your brain, the things that happen uh, to you, the the uh, the use and the abuse of social media. Is any there's there any social media abusers in here? No, my hands up. I'm just gonna admit it. Yeah, you oh, liars too. Good. Um, <laughs> no, I don't even have it. Um, did anybody? I know one of my favorite things that he did was he had everyone pull out their phone and do the thing where it tells you how much time you spend on your phone. Who who did that? Was anybody like barf, like I spend way too much on my phone? 
Raise your hand if you feel like you saw it and you freaked out by that number. Like you could not believe. I, I'm, gonna, I'm setting this up because I'm going uh, to expose myself here in a second. Sorry, that, not back to Chippendale. Never mind. God, that was a mistake. Freudian, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so wait, who had, let's see, four, did anybody do for the week? Who had over 20 hours for the week? <laughs> you did, you did, yes. That was like one of these hands. She thought she got by. You had over 20 for the week. Over 30? There's a hand back here. Yeah, you? Over 35? Yes, I got one. So I did it. I did it. And I actually two weeks before Brian, I don't know why I started getting really convicted about how much time I spent on my phone. And I was like, I know there's this thing. And I looked it up. You guys ready to die? 41 hours for the week. <laughs> you can, it, that is a work week. That is a work week, 40 hours on my phone. I'm going to give myself a pass because part of my job here is social media. So, yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but I did, uh, last week I looked at it again and I got it down to 25. That's still a really high number, but that's a big jump down. That's almost, that's like 45% less. Um, so there is good things about social media. There's uh, bad things about social media. There's good things about the internet. We live in a really weird time. Does anybody like remember a time before the internet? You do, really. Do you know there's a generation alive right now that does not remember that time? They've grown up with the internet. So, and just so you know, this, is, uh, this series in the hot seat has nothing to do with bashing uh, social media. I'm just using this for a setup. But social media has brought us closer together. The internet has brought us closer together. The information age has brought us closer together. But it's also, believe it or not, has pushed us further and further and further apart. And some of us are very aware of that. Think about the, the idea that someone that you graduated high school with in 1974, you couldn't find Susie a long time ago, and now your best friend's on Facebook. You see everything she posts about her grandbabies. You see everything that she posts about what she ate for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Your life and Susie's life have become really close. You know everything she's doing. The other problem is, though, that you also know everything she's thinking. So as we get closer to people because of the internet, because of social media, we also, because we see, it, we're just, no one's ashamed to post anything, which, I mean, go you. I literally will write up a post and go, nah, dude, no one's going to get that. No one's going to understand that you're being sarcastic. No one's going to agree with you. It's going to start a fight. You really want long comments. You really want anyone to hate you because we put stuff out there all the time. As much as you know about Susie's dog and her family and the food that she's eating, you also know where she stands politically. You also know where she stands religiously. And what we do all day, every day, because a lot of you raise your hands that you're over the, over the 20 mark on your phone. We love Facebook, and we get on there, and it's good to be close. But as soon as we see that someone has something not in common with us, cut them off. And you might not unfriend them, but you can mute them. You can unfollow them. You could keep them from coming on your page, right? So you have like 2,000 people that you're friends with on Facebook, but you just keep seeing the same stuff over and over because you keep blocking everybody's stuff, right? And what we do a lot of times, we, we, we create these boxes. It's like, well, I don't like the people that say this, so they're unfriended. I don't like the people that say this, so they're unfollowed. I don't like the people that say this, so they're in this other box and they're muted, and our world actually becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until we're in this echo chamber where we only hear people that agree with us. And guess what? There's probably not a whole lot of people that agree with you on every single little thing. 
we get to this place where we other people. They're the other in this box, this part of my life. They're the other in this religious part of my life, in this social part of my life. They're the other in this political part of my life because my opinions are very important to me, and if you don't share them, I don't know if I can be your friend. And it comes in slowly, and it's interesting, too, because if this is the condition of our heart, that if someone doesn't agree with us, we push them away. It's really interesting. We would never say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a bigoted. I'm not, I don't hate anybody. I'm not racist. I'm not sexist. I'm not xenophobic. That's just a word they use on TV to describe people that don't like other people. I'm not really one of those people. I'm not mean. But Jesus, it's really interesting when Jesus talks about murder and when Jesus talks about adultery, he first talks about the condition of your heart. Not about the action in and of itself. Well, sure, maybe you're not. Maybe we're not racist. But maybe somewhere deep inside of us, there's something that we've taken people in certain, of certain um, ethnicities. and We put them in this box because of something that they don't agree with us on. But we didn't realize that that box is all one color. We didn't realize that this box is all women. And we didn't realize this box is for gay people. And we didn't realize that this box is for Catholics. <laughs> that snort was amazing. I don't know if it picked it up, but turn it up. I'm gonna, I want to talk about the idea of making people other. Today, we were, we were talking about things that we were going to do uh, in the series, in the, in the hot seat. We talked about, talk about racism. We could talk about politics, and all of those just made you like, going to the church shouldn't talk about any of those things. And guess what? We weren't, I'm not going to talk about them directly, but I think it's really good to see what Jesus says about people other than you, people not like you. What Paul says about people other than you, what does the Bible say? So I'm going to do something that I invented called a Jesus sandwich. And we're going to start with Paul. What does Paul have to say about loving others? What does Jesus have to say about loving others? What does Jesus do when it comes to loving others? And we'll come back to Paul. So two slices of Paul, big old piece of Jesus in the middle. Sound good? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. God, that you've given us the written word, Lord, that we can read over and see the experiences of people, God, that came before us in the faith. God, I pray that today as we read the words of of your son, Jesus, as we read the words of Paul, God, I pray that they would jump off the page and they would speak to us this morning. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start in um, Philippians 2 where Paul is actually talking to the people at Philippi. He's speaking to the church at Philippi, and he's talking to them first about... Uh, He's talking to the church about being unified and what they're being unified for. So I'm going to read this. He says this. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing. Say nothing. Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. Say others. Value value others above yourself and not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. 
in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So that's, this is pretty easy, right? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. He says, be, hu- uh, be, um, be humble, use humility, value others above yourself. Let that sink in because we don't. I don't. Just so you know, this, this message was for me all week. I was like, you're trash. Like, <laughs> value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. This, all, all Paul's saying here, we're going to come back to this, this, uh, this scripture, is what? Put others before you. And that's easy, right? That sounds so easy. That concept, put others before yourself. I dare you to think about yesterday and how many times you put <laughs> others before yourself. You probably didn't even let someone merge onto 95 <laughs> to literally be before you. So this, that's what Paul has to say. Let's get into what Jesus has to say. And I've got a couple things we'll get through. And we'll, the end is just going to make you cry. Oh, man. I'm kidding. Listen, John, uh, uh, Jesus, this is what Jesus has to say in John 13, 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one. If you love one. There's a story that Jesus tells in uh, Luke 10. I want to set it up a little bit. Jesus ends up in a lot of scenarios where he ends up with the teachers of religious law. And they're always trying to peg him on something, right? So in this one, you guys know the story. It's in Luke 10. This story is called The Good. Anybody? The Good Samaritan. Yeah, you guys are awesome. And the interesting thing is, we'll get into it, is that Samaritans aren't like inherently good people. That's not, that's not the point of the story. It's like, oh, thank God a Samaritan's coming. <laughs> They're awesome. And we kind of give that connotation in the culture that we live in now because all we know of the word is when we hear it here where a Samaritan does something good, so we attach it to, um, we attach it to organizations. There's churches, the Good Samaritan. There's actually, um, I know of um, some Methodist churches called Good Samaritan. There's uh, Samaritan's Purse, right? So you hear Samaritan, you think, Good. Right. So here's what Jesus says. Uh, it says this. On occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, <laughs> and who is my neighbor? I, I love Jesus because he doesn't say, let me tell you a story. He just starts telling a story. <laughs> In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be walking down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look, excuse me, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in law replied, the one who had mercy on him. 
Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this story is awesome, right? Because actually in this story, a Samaritan is good. Let me give you a little context of who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is talking to the, the, the teachers of law, right? These teachers of law were Jews. When Jesus is telling this story, Jesus is a Jew. He's talking to a Jew. Whenever someone tells you a story and doesn't give you specifics about the individual they're talking about, what do you usually do? You put yourself in the position of the person that's being described, right? Hey, I have a friend. Boom. That friend looks like you. I have a friend. He's a guy. But in this one, he says a man. So in this story, Jesus is setting it up. This is a Jew. They're talking about a Jew. A Jew, just like you, just like me, is walking and he gets beat up, and he gets thrown in a ditch. Then, great, guess who comes along? A priest. Guess what priests are? Jews. Not only Jews, but these are probably high-level Jews. These are the good people, right? And this is the man that in the story described walks around to the other side of the road, it says. So Jesus is a Jew, talking to a Jew about a Jew, and about another Jew who walks by his own brother. But luckily, a Levite comes up. So if you know anything, priests, right? Priests, awesome dudes, right? The lineage from Israel that priests come from are Levites. So this is like even better. This is like, oh my gosh, a Levite? Like this is where priests are born. Like these are the people. This story Jesus is telling is also another Jew walks around his brother. A third person shows up. He tells this man's ethnicity. First two are Jews. This third one is not a Jew. He is a Samaritan. Interestingly enough, Jews hate Samaritans. Jews hate Samaritans. It, just, it would be really cool if it was the Samaritan and the Jew was doing something nice. But Jesus is telling a Jewish story to Jewish people about a Jew who gets helped by a person that the Jew hates. The hated is the one that helps in the story. Jesus is telling a story about people that the Jews have othered. We hate them. We hate them. And Jesus is like, okay. And at the end of the story, he goes, who's the one who is the neighbor? Who's the one that is the neighbor? And he can't even say it. He goes, the one who showed mercy. He can't even say it's the Samaritan. The, the one who showed mercy I can't say a Samaritan did something good. They're horrible. Jews or Samaritans to Jews were like dogs. And all of us in this room, you guys are good people. I doubt there's really anybody you think of as dogs, right? There's probably no one that you could think of that you're like, no, they're just like, they're just earthworms to me. They're, they're worthless. They're, they're people that we trample on, right? But Jesus is telling a very exaggerated story, more so not about people. So even in the story, the, the Levite and the priest were other because they were better, better than the guy in the ditch. But the guy in the ditch is someone who would have othered the person who ends up helping. So Jesus is telling us about Samaritans. By the way, Jesus, I love that he tells these stories because he like makes them up on the fly. Like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm always picturing, like, was he at home? Like, someone's probably going to ask me about this. I should write the Good Samaritan story. <laughs> so first, this is, uh, we've got Paul, what Paul says. This is what Jesus says. Next, this is what Jesus does. There's a story in John, John 4, and you've probably heard this story too. 
There's a story of the woman at the well. Jesus has this encounter with this woman, right? The story is Jesus and his 12 are going town to town, doing the, the Jesus thing that they do, healing sick, forgiving sins, you know, doing cool stuff like you and I do all the time. Going town to town, and they get to this well, and they stop, and Jesus sends the, uh, the other 12 into the city to go get supplies, but he's going to stay at the well. Interestingly enough, there's this well where they stop is in a place called Samaria. Jesus stops in Samaria. Not only does Jesus stop in Samaria, he stops at a well and ends up by himself with a woman. Right, two cultural no-nos already. Why is he in Samaria? He doesn't like Samaritans, does he? He's a Jew. Two, he's at a well with a woman by himself. Nope. Third, he starts talking to her. You do not do this. In this day and age, you do not engage in conversation with a woman who is not your wife. Jesus is breaking all kind of cultural norms. Then he goes even further and says, yo, let me get some water. <laughs> and this is the interesting thing. He's asking for water in a place he shouldn't be from a woman he shouldn't be with or talking to and asking for her to give, her, give him a drink. And if you read, I dare you to read the Bible. I'm not putting this up here, and I'm not giving you the scripture because I want you to pull it up for yourself. There's a part where she, she looks perplexed. Like, dude, I know you're Jewish. You shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be talking. And you sure as heck don't need some water from me. And in brackets, it says this. It says, because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Let me teach you how to read your Bible. In these brackets where it says this, there will either be a number or a letter. If you're looking on your phone or anything like that, click on that. Or if you know how to you read the Bible at all, at the bottom, find that letter. And it's going to tell you something. It says, they wouldn't even eat off of a dish a Samaritan had touched. Oof. This is Jesus. He tells a story about a Samaritan doing something good for a Jew. And then what he does in this story is he's actually the person doing it. Jesus is not all talk. Jesus goes to. This is what I love. He, he goes to her, talks to her, engages her in her place on her turf and asks for a drink of water. From her ladle. As they talk, they're, they're talking about a bunch of cool Jesus-y stuff. And then at one point he says, he says, why don't you tell your husband about all this? And this, this is where we'll get in, in um, on verse 17. He says, why don't you go tell your husband? She says this, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you are with now is not even your husband. What, have you, or what you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said. This is interesting. Jesus isn't doing this to call this lady out. He's doing this to set something else up. Jesus is always setting something up. Jesus has always got something else to say. He's not just being like, girl, I know. Like, it's, not, it's not a Jesus move. He's setting her up to show him that he's something else. I'm not just, sorry, whew, I'm not just a Jew. I've got some knowledge. I know who you are. And she says this, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place that we must worship is Jerusalem. The reason Jews Hated Samaritans. It's interesting. Sorry, I'm very emotional. 
that she brings up worship. That's my favorite song. He's telling this woman that he knows about her life, her intimate life. And she's like, well, wait, this guy's getting real. Let's talk about something real. And they start talking about worship. Do you want to know why she brings up worship? Because the reason Jews couldn't stand Samaritans is the way that they worshiped. Jews and Samaritans at one point were both Israelites. Jews and Samaritans both worshipped Yahweh. And at some point, Samaritans started doing something a little different that Jews didn't like. And over the the context of worship, over something as small as worship, luckily, in 2019, we don't do that in the church anymore. We don't cut people off for having different beliefs, right? You can laugh as much as you want because that's so, it's so real. Think about this. There are 33 thousand Christian denominations in the world. You don't think we fight over petty stuff? This sounds like petty stuff. You won't drink off of the ladle of a woman because she is who she is because of a way that she worships. You're not allowed to associate. You think of someone as a dog because of what? I, 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 had a conversation with someone the other day, and I, I wish I could remember the conversation I tried to, to remember, and I just know we were talking about this group of Christians, and they do something, this and that, and I said, well, yeah, because they're Christian, and they said, well, they're Catholic, and I was like, blah, like we've got all these denominations, 33,000, try naming four. You've got the Church of God, you've got the Assemblies of God, you've got the Church of God of Prophecy, <laughs> you've got like a thousand different Baptist denominations. Nobody can get along. Tiny little things break us apart. And just like you on your Facebook page, mute, 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 other, go away, unfollow, nope, not associated. The Jews disassociated with Samaritans because they didn't like the style they worship. Dude, I've got my list. I've got my list of people that are other for me. And the one interesting thing I was thinking about, I was like, oh, because of the way they worship? That's messed up. And then I was like, dude, okay, you guys know I like, to, I like to move a lot, especially when I'm up here singing. And I totally, no lie, I'm like, and this guy's just going to cross his arms? And she's just going to hold her coffee? Bro, okay, cute. Like, raise your hands. Like, do you just not love Jesus enough? Like, my brain goes there. And the funny thing is, this called me out because I'm like, this is not true. I, in a moment, can go, nope, they don't love Jesus. Nope, they're not feeling it. Nope, this doesn't make, they just came in after worship. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) This is because they were worshiping the same God in a different way. Something interesting happens. Uh, Julie, I'm actually going to skip down to, I think, 24. So they're talking about the worship stuff and where it can happen. And he kind of basically, Jesus says, like, yo, it's not going to matter whether it's here or there as long as it's in spirit or in truth. This is interesting, though. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, (laughs) she's talking to Jesus. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
that's exciting. Can you imagine <laughs> being like, what? He just explained all of it to her, and then she said, when he comes, he'll explain it. And he goes, hello, it's me, it me. Jesus is talking to someone he's not supposed to be talking to in a place he's not supposed to be, asking for water he's not supposed to drink. And he reveals something to someone that he's not supposed to reveal it to. This is the first time Jesus reveals himself as Christ. <laughs> to who? To some woman at some well in some place? Before this, Jesus had been the son of man. People had speculated that he was a prophet, all these other things. This is the first time, the first time Jesus has his coming out party is with a woman he's not supposed to be with. And he says, I am that Christ. I am that Christ. I love that Jesus, Jesus uses women all the time. He first declares to a woman that he's Christ. And when he comes back from the dead, who's the first person there? People that are not supposed to be a part of this story. Jesus reaches out to the other all the time. Speaking of the word other, um, we're doing this Jesus sandwich on purpose because Paul talks about other and one another and Jesus reaching, it starts reaching out to the other and Jesus is always telling us to love the other and love one another. And we get really lost, I think, really quick on what words even mean. Other, another, they're interchangeable. What do they mean? If, and sometimes it, we, we lose sight of what the Bible is saying to us if we don't know the words that we're reading. Let me, uh, can you put this definition up for the word other? Used to refer to a person or a thing that is different or distinct from one already mentioned. Not like you. Other means not like you. And then another, you could throw that one up. Another has two definitions. Other and another are basically opposite things. Used to refer to an additional thing of the same type. Like, let me get another drink. Interestingly enough, another has two definitions. And you can put the second one up, Julie. Used to refer to a different person or thing from one already mentioned or known about. When you ask for something else, right, let me get another drink. That's usually referring to the same thing. Let me talk to another person. It's not the same. And other and another get thrown back and forth. Other means not like you. And another means like you and not like you. Everybody. So I want to go back through and read the words of Paul because he's got very specific instructions for everybody and how they treat people that are not like them. Let's go back to what Paul says in Philippians 2. We'll start in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value, rather in humility, value people not like you above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of people not like you. In your relationships with one another, Everyone, people like you and people not like you, have the same mindset as Christ. Have the same mindset as Christ. And we could go, great, what's the mindset of Christ? Um, 
or we could go back and read the things Christ said and the things Christ has done. But the beautiful thing is that Paul actually ends up just telling us what the mindset of Christ is. Have the same mindset of Christ, listen, who being in very nature God himself, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Doesn't this sound like a God who in humility values others, people not like him? Who's like God? Who's like God? Valuing others above himself, not looking to his own interests, but to the interests of others. People not like him. Jesus wasn't too good for anybody. In a world where we can get in this tight little echo chamber where the only person that we trust is ourself and the only person that we agree with is ourself. Think about it. Jesus, it was no one like him. Everybody was actually in some way his other, not like him. And Paul says that he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Jesus didn't make anyone his other. Jesus didn't box himself in from people not like him because no one was like him. (laughs) Instead, he went into their homes. Who? People not like him. He reached out to who? People not like him. He ate with who? People not like him. Everybody Jesus encountered was not like him. He loved people not like him. And he died for people not like him. We all live in a world full of others. How do we make them one another's? How do we bring people in and go, it doesn't matter if you're like me or not. I'm called to love you. Jesus says this in John 13, 35. We read this earlier. They will know that you are my people by the way that you love one another. Who is one another? Those like you and those not like you. The interesting thing in Aramaic, it does not say one another. It just says other. They will know you are my people by the way you love people not like you because that's the greatest example Jesus says this in Matthew 5 46 if you only love those who love you what reward is there in that even corrupt tax collectors do that that's easy I'm not calling you to easy I'm calling you to love people not like you in looks in thought in religion in faith in politics people that vote the opposite of whatever you vote. In a world where we can make everyone our other, that is exactly the people we call to love and to serve.
So before we go, I want to challenge you. Do not text, do not email, do not message, do not hit like, do not comment. Call, meet with, go to someone's house. Go out to eat with someone that you don't agree with. On something that you find very important. And guess what? When you do this, when you have this dinner date with this person or this family, that thing that you don't agree with, don't bring it up. Jesus didn't bring up the rift between the Samaritan and the Jew. She did. Why? Because she saw something different in this Jew. She saw something different in the way that she was being treated by this person that has othered her. Go be Jesus. Go be Jesus. There's a phone call you have to make. It's probably a family member. Because I hate the Christmas season. But what if Thanksgiving was fixed because we made that phone call? And now Uncle Jim feels welcome back at the house. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, there is no one like your son. There's no one like you, God. And you reach out. You humbled yourself and became man <laughs> to die for sinners like us. Sinners like me who still make people other, who still push people I ask that as we go from this place that we would take on the mind of Christ and we would think like Christ. When we get online, when we get to work, when we get in the carpool lane, God, we ask that you would help us focus on, God, what the things are that we have in common, not the things that tear us apart. God, teach us to be like you. Paul says that we ought to be in one mind. God, even though we think differently, let us have one mind to value others' interests above our own. Thank you for your word, Lord. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.